Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Country Music Made Me. Thank you so much for joining us once again. As always, please make sure you are liking, sharing, following, subscribing to us on whatever streaming service you are listening on. Leave us a review, a rating, tell your friends, your family, your neighbors to come on over and have a listen. That support is huge each and every week. This week, we're joined by Chase Wright. He's an up-and-comer in Nashville who grew up playing sports rather than music. But when college hit, so did the music bug. And in 2019, after graduating college, he moved straight to Nashville with a management and a publishing deal. In 2020, he hit the ground running as an artist with a number of successful releases, and he is set for big things over the next year. So please enjoy our conversation with Chase Wright. I got like caught out, and so I am currently pulled over in a Dunkin' Donuts parking lot, <laughs> and my phone is connected to my car and some weird thing. I don't know. I was just, I was really hoping that you could, that I could both charge my phone and talk to you and you could hear me and everything's good. So. Okay, perfect. That's awesome. Hopefully it'll last the whole time then. Let's talk about the weekend. You Were you back home or back at your yes. old college playing soccer? So I was back home in uh, Lebanon, Indiana. So every year my uh, high school team does this like, alumni game with the alumni come back and play the current high school team and my cousin is a junior in high school and so I don't know how next year's touring schedule is going to be and stuff so I wanted to make sure I got back when I could so I left Saturday morning from Nashville at three in the morning <laughs> to get to the soccer fields at nine nine a.m. and uh, for the game at 10 a.m. and then drove back that evening at 6 p.m. because I had to finish up some songs here in Nashville at one the next day. So it was a long weekend, a long weekend, but went back and so much fun, so much fun. So great to see, see my, like my you know, family members. I don't get to see too often. I can go back maybe like four times a year. So uh, um, that was like really good to see them, but it's such a shock going from being in, in the shape running in college to then taking like a year off and not really doing any sort of sprints or anything. And then going back and trying to play a full length soccer game, just absolutely terrible. Yeah. It's crazy how quickly you lose it. Right. Oh my gosh. My dad actually made the comment to me. He was like, um, this is the first time I've ever seen you get caught on a uh, soccer field. And I'm like, yes, I believe me. I uh, felt that too. I once was really fast. Now I'm just kind of fast. You know, it <laughs> <laughs> happens. You get older, you lose it. You just That's have to right. go with it. Right. Yeah. So let's talk more about that hometown. Growing up, your mother was very involved with music, music education, and in the community band. Now, you didn't really pick it up at a young age. Do you think it was because your mom was so into it and it was sort of a rebellion thing for you? Do you think if she wasn't involved with it, maybe you would have picked it up earlier? I don't, I don't really know. I think that um, it was like, it was, something, it was something that I did when I was younger. Like I started playing trumpet before even like my like school had band. It was, it was before sixth grade. I can't remember what age, um, but I think it was just because I didn't think it was like the cool thing to do. Right. And so I, I kind of wanted to get out of it. And then she kept me in it because she's like, you're, you're good at this. Like you should really stick it out, this and that. And I think she really wanted me to play trumpet and I really didn't have the passion for it. I obviously had a passion for music, right. But I was so scared 
for what people were going to think about me, I think, or what they were going to say or make fun of me for doing whatever. And so that's what I was really worried about. I think at the time, I don't know if it was so much resentment as it was just like trying to fit in with the crowd of people I wanted to fit in with. Right. And can you still play the trumpet? Okay. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I can still make, still make sounds. My, my mom actually filmed, like I filmed an Instagram story a couple of, I think it was like last year, maybe where I picked up her trumpet and played a uh, little bit on it i can still make sounds but i have to have her tell me what what valves to push down because i completely forget like all things to do with the like what note is what and all that but yeah i can i can still make make noise out of it (laughs) and i think it would be epic to have like just a random trumpet solo in one of your songs (laughs) even if it's just live on stage whip out the trumpet and learn a little something and put a solo in one of your songs my my mom has been trying to get me to put like trumpet in in something and she was like hey you know like i could always play on one of your tracks if you ever (laughs) want a trumpet in there i'm like one of these days i'm like gonna have to do it but i was like trumpet's just that's kind of a hard instrument just to tuck somewhere you know yeah exactly it kind of stands out right (laughs) And so you were in the choir in seventh grade and that's kind of the last time that you sung in front of people until your later teens. So what do you remember of that experience in choir? Did it like, did you have a bug for it at that point where you thought maybe it was something you wanted to do later on, but just didn't quite have the passion for it then? Or was it just really something to do? It was, I think I, so I moved to choir because my mom was like, well, if you don't want to be in band anymore, I, I want you to do something musical. So I was like, well, I have a bunch of friends that are in choir. So let me go do choir. And so I went and did choir for a little bit. And it was fun. I really didn't take it seriously. I never did any, you know, solos or anything. I just sort of like, sort of like hit, I guess, in the back, you know, and um, we had to do like this final test where I like remember this like vividly where my teacher would play a note on the piano and we had we had to match it. Oh, okay. And it was like that was and so he would just play notes and we had to match it. But we were in front of people when we had to do it too. And so I was singing in front of people and I was so embarrassed. Uh, but I yeah I don't I don't even even really think I had like a real passion for it then. The like, funny thing is I I had like always sang. I'd sang in the shower. I'd sang in the car. I I sang in front of people as part of this like preschool convocation this like 9-11 memorial service um when I was five years old I sang God Bless America in front of like 2,000 people and then oh, wow. I went and sang the like national anthem for some high school games when I was like five or six you know and so I I, I like always sang a little bit but then I really stepped away from it when I thought that people were going to make fun of me or whatever I don't know I'm just trying to fit in and I cared too much about what people thought and um I think that's that's sort of what when I stepped away, but I didn't really pick it back up again until I got to college. And um, I'd always wanted to learn guitar and I didn't really, uh, and again, I just didn't want people to make fun of me, I guess. And so when I got to college, I was like, well, if I start now, people will only know me by the guy who plays guitar. They, they, they don't know me from anything else. And so I picked up guitar freshman year of college and started going from then. And talk about that guitar. Was that the $20 garage sale special that oh, your yeah. dad oh, bought $20, you? A $20 garage sale special. It was uh, the, it actually had a, a bowed neck. It was, it was broken where the like um, body of the guitar meets the neck. It was, it was, it was broken. So it, it like bowed really bad and it had super thick, thick strings on it. So pushing the, the, the strings down were very, very hard. And so I think 
um, I think that was honestly really great for me because I really learned how to do push the strings down hard because if I didn't, there was no sound coming out of that. And uh, it was very shortly after that when my dad was like, well, if, if uh, you can learn on this, then we can upgrade to something nicer. And so I upgraded to a like $100 Epiphone after that. But um, but yeah, that uh, $20 garage sale, I'm actually so mad. I uh, sold it at another garage sale for $15 and I wish I would have had it now. Um, I went and repurchased the same model, but of course it's not the same exact guitar. Right, yeah. And when you went to college, did I see, I saw your little, uh, the video, the video history that you did on yeah. YouTube, the, the four yeah. or five parter. Now, was yeah. there a small little room that you found in your college dorm outside of your dorm that you would practice in? Yeah. So that was my uh, college fraternity house. Um, and in our basement uh, where there was just, it was just chaotic down there, but there was this like little closet room that didn't have anything in it. So um, I just like sat on one of these big old speakers or whatever, and I would go down there and practice and play. And that was the only place where I could have privacy where people wouldn't hear me and I could, you know, film videos or write songs or whatever. And it was, cause that was one thing you don't really have any privacy when you're in a fraternity house. Like, uh, every, everything is pretty much everybody's. And so right. I needed to find somewhere to where I wasn't just in my like room, like where everybody could hear me playing guitar and stuff like that. Cause that's kind of what I was doing in my freshman dorm room. Um, and I had to play like super quiet and I was embarrassed because people in the hallway could hear me and stuff like that. So it was, it was honestly really, really nice. I filmed so many videos down there. I wrote, uh, like, I think my first two songs or something down there. And, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was like such a, such a really like ugly environment, but it was so nice. And I think I really needed it for those like formative moments. And how long were you playing down in that room before you started posting on Instagram and finally got the courage to have other people hear you? I, so I think I posted on Instagram and stuff the very first time, um, in between the summer of freshman and sophomore year. So it was, that was sophomore year is when I moved into the fraternity house. So I think I'd already been posting a little bit on Instagram. I hadn't started the uh, Chase Wright music Instagram page or anything yet. I was oh, still okay. posting on my, like my uh, personal page that I had started, you know, in seventh or eighth grade or something. And so oh, okay. um, I really didn't dive into music like a hundred percent, make it like a, like a thing until probably a year after I started playing in that, in that, in that room. And, then I, then I really started to dive into it. And I think I started posting a lot more and a lot more frequently on the uh, like music only Instagram and Facebook. And two experiences from those early days I wanted to ask you about. One was the Smiley radio show. Yeah. And what when that happened within that time frame and, and how that happened. That was actually so it's so funny because I didn't nobody knew I could sing or knew that I was trying to sing or anything like like that. And I had recorded this video of me singing this Jake Owen song, Life of the Party. And so I had recorded me singing that. And I heard as I was driving, I forget where I was driving to, but I heard on the radio, Smiley Radio Show is the biggest radio station in, 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 in Indianapolis. They play like top 40 hits and stuff like that. So not a country station. Um, oh, okay. But they were like, they're like, we're, we're doing this like listener talent show where you send us a video of your talent. And if we like it, then you can come into the uh, radio station. You get 60 seconds to perform that talent. People call in and vote for another 60 seconds, right? So then you can, you could potentially get two minutes of uh, airtime doing whatever. And I was like, this seems like fun. Like what are the, uh, I mean, what are they going to say? No. And then I'm right back to where I was before. And so 
I submitted this video. And again, I had not posted any video ever of me playing. And they're like, oh, we would love to have you on in like two days at 10 a.m. And I was like, <laughs> oh, so I should probably like let people know that like, you know, I've been doing this, doing this like guitar and singing thing. So I posted that video um, that I submitted to them via email. I, uh, I posted that video on my Instagram and Facebook and people were so kind and all the worries I had about people making fun of me um, definitely didn't. I mean, that wasn't a thing. People were just really, really nice and left nice comments. And I went on there and sang for a minute, sang uh, Life of the Party. And they people voted. I got three yeses. And then I sang um, You Should Be Here by uh, Cole Swindell. And um, yeah, it was super cool. And I think it gave me that like boost of confidence. So, like, you know, that, um, that I maybe had potential or that I wasn't like completely sucky. Uh, Cause I, I, again, didn't really know. That is awesome. And then another moment was, I believe your friends signed you up for a contest that could win you a weekly gig at the swizzle stick. Is that it? Yeah. Well, so my, my like buddy in my fraternity played guitar but he couldn't sing. And okay. so he knew that I was trying to uh, sing. And so he, he <laughs> just like behind my back was like, Hey, Hey dude. Um, I, uh, signed us up for a bar gig in three weeks. Um, so we got, we have to learn like 45 songs. And I was <laughs> like, excuse me. He's like, yeah, we got a bar. We had a, we got a bar gig. And, uh, if we do it well, you know, we could make it sort of a like, you know, monthly thing or whatever. And so, yeah, so we, um, every day after lunch and dinner would go down to that little room and uh, practice and we would practice for like an hour, however much time we had because lunch and dinner was the only times where we were both in the house at the same time every day. And so, so yeah, we would go down there and practice and we uh, dialed it in and went and did that first show and it led to many more and it was a good way to make some, make some extra cash and honing that, you know, performance, that live performance aspect of it. And, uh, yeah. I don't know, man, it's hard to say if I would have ever gone out and asked if I could play at the bars, you know, if he hadn't got me into those bars just by not telling me. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to ask you. Those two experiences, first being on the radio and then playing in a bar, if those right. two wouldn't have happened, would you just right now still be doing covers on your Instagram page? Do you think? I, you know, oh my goodness. It's so hard to tell. I think, I think by the time, so those, those things happen before, like, the real moment of me, like I need to pursue music as a career. I worked corporate um, and I worked corporate for six months as a part of a college program. And I realized that that just wasn't, wasn't for me. I, I just saw myself doing more than that. And I couldn't see myself sitting at a desk all day, every day. And so that's when I really, that's when I really like, like dove into music and really tried to make it a full-time thing. And so I think once I got to that point, I probably would have, you know, started to do some of those things like reach out to bars and stuff like that. But I got, I feel like I got motivated to do that because I had played out at the bars and I loved it so much and I had fun. So it's like hard to be hard to say what I would be doing or if I would have even really gave music a true shot if I hadn't sort of just been thrown into it, like <laughs> pretty, pretty wildly. Yeah. And I believe it was 20, 2018, May 2018, I think, from your Instagram page when you first visited Nashville. Yeah. And you were able to go to the Opry. You saw Chris Jansen there. So what did that yeah. trip mean for your eventual move there? Did that trip solidify that? Yep. I need to be in Nashville when I graduate. Yeah, it was it was absolutely wild. My very first day in Nashville, within hours of being here, um, my now manager took me to the uh, Grand Ole Opry, some like legendary place, right? And 
I physically ran into like bump shoulders with with my like favorite artists like hours after arriving to a town like I met Brett Young. I bumped into Shay Mooney. I stole Rascal Flats. I, you know, all of these things, like these people that I like idolize and listen to all the time. I'm just like within like yards of them. And I was like, this might be the coolest place I've ever been to in my like whole life, you know? And so that was definitely a really cool moment and something that I was like, I cannot wait to one day be here and play here because this, this place is awesome. And so your eventual move, you graduate and you do make the move. Now, what yeah. was the feeling like when you were settled in Nashville, you had moved, you were there and that realization that, okay, yeah, this is life now. Yeah. So I, I'd, I'd come down for a week every month, my senior year of college. So I started coming down, um, this summer between junior and senior year, that was the, that was the May of 2018. And, um, and so I came down, you know, a week or so every month or every other week during the summer. Then when school started, I made it a a monthly thing. And so I was already coming back and forth, but I didn't really have any, um, income here. You know, I didn't have anything lined up yet. Um, my manager and I talked about a, a publishing deal where I would get paid to write songs. Um, and that would sort of be like a, a means of getting by until, you know, music starts coming out or whatever. And so, um, we, we worked a deal there and, um, I actually signed my first publishing deal a week before graduation, which gave me that, gave me that, um, like, I don't know, that real, like realization that it was a real thing that I was moving to Nashville, um, that, you know, I've made it a career. I have a, an, an income, a full-time job income salary from music. And what was that like coming here with a publishing deal, knowing that you would have to do a lot of writing? Like, what were your writing chops like at that point when you started that process? Yeah. Um, so my, so I, I've been writing. That's, 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 that's what I would come to town for that. Like for a week, every month I was writing a ton. Oh, okay. I was writing a, writing a ton and I would do probably a month's worth of work in a matter of like five days. I would have a doubles every day. I would have meetings on top of that. I'd be each day is a 12 hour day when I would come here for those, for those weeks, we had really made the uh, most of it. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I had, I'd already written a ton. Um, and so I think it was using those songs as leverage is what got me um, the uh, publishing deal. Plus, I mean, people just believed in my potential and, um, which I'm super thankful for because I mean this whole career up to this point, this whole journey up to this point, it's been so many people taking chances, and I really do appreciate that because it took me a while to realize because I got thrown into it so so new and things happened so quick that like I didn't realize like how how lucky I was to have the team that I have, and so um, that's also been like a really big thing for me too. And so, how did your confidence build over those years in college? Because I know with um, my kind of morning. That was a song that Matt Jenkins brought into the writing room that day. Yeah. And you kind of helped lead it to where you wanted to take it. And I've talked to other yeah. songwriters about, you know, that's a tricky thing when you're starting out as a songwriter to kind of say, no, that's not what I would say. This is what I would say. And so yeah. how confident were you when you first moved to Nashville? Was it like night and day from the first time that you started playing in that little dorm room back at the Absolutely. start of college? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So much so. And it's, I mean, the like confidence is just, I think just started to get to where it's like, because before I would think things but not say them because I'm like these people are way more veteran than I am like they probably know what's best and 
Um, and then I just started to get the confidence of like, no, like I belong in these rooms too. Like I'm, I'm very capable of being in these, in these rooms also. So it was, it was a very gradual process early, early on. I would never, I would never challenge anything. I would just sort of go with the flow. And then now I'm left with songs that maybe I would change things on, you know, that I thought about in the room, but was like, well, maybe how, why would I know best? I'm just, I'm like so new at this. And so I vividly remember Matt bringing in my kind of morning and he was just talking about like waking up with his wife and, you know, spending time with her and like all these details about that. And I was like, Matt, I kind of, there's this, there's this thing that just happened to me in college. And I think that it could be a really interesting take on this. Like I recently just, um, I met somebody in college, stayed up all, all night long with them. And we like, we did all these wild things. And I was like, I think this could be a really cool song to write. And so he was like, cool, let's like do it, you know? And so we, um, we just basically wrote about a, like in a real life encounter that I just recently had had, you know, a couple of weeks before. And so with that song, when you release it, you have this very vivid image in your mind of what the song means for you. Now, when you start hearing what it means for other people, is that a weird experience of almost letting go of what the song means to you and stepping into their shoes? Yeah. Well, so I think, I think Rob Thomas said, said it, um, in a, in a way of like, so Rob Thomas, the lead singer of Matchbox 20, but also does his, his, his own artist thing, was talking about how people interpret songs in so many different ways. And he never wanted to explain the meaning of the song to him, like off, off the bat. Like he always just wanted to sit back and let people interpret it the way that they would and not necessarily put his, like look through it through the lens of his meaning or whatever. And so I, I sort of like early on just like, I was like, these are just songs that I like really love that I've written, but never really dove like super heavy into what they meant. And I think I really, I really noticed how songs could impact people in such different ways when it came to my second single, Wish You'd Miss Me. Um, that's That song got a decent amount of traction on different, different platforms and people would reach out to me saying um, how it helped them through X, Y, and Z. And I just so many different situations that I could have never even imagined when writing the song it's it's helped people get through it um because I mean I wrote it about a pretty trivial relationship right and people are talking about how it's you know helping them cope with you know a like parent not being in in, in their life or losing loved ones or you know um and infidelity and in, in like marriage and stuff like that that are just so deep subjects that I could have never even fathomed when creating the song because I just was like writing it from this you know emotional spot of just you know getting screwed over in some relationship and with your writing I know I've heard you talk about driving in your Chevy as a youngster back home on the back roads because you grew yeah. up in a, in a smaller town and so yeah do you pull from that quite a bit when you're writing as well yeah yeah I uh most of my songs come from come from relationships just because that's something that you can get emotional about either you're super happy super sad super mad whatever you're very emotional about that but um the uh, song drive came from one of those moments of the only thing to do in my hometown growing up was go to the walmart go to the mcdonald's or drive around like there wasn't anything else to do and so um thankfully since i've left and gone to college and all, all that stuff the last six years my the like, town and the, uh, the like surrounding area has gotten much more um they've they've really developed much more so there's a little bit more to do but yeah so I just really wanted to encapsulate like what I would do when I turned 16 and you know we would just drive around 
we would drive around, drive down back roads. We'd listen to music. We would, you know, it'd be like a group of like five of us packed into somebody's small car, just ripping back roads, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. And when you went into the studio at the beginning of 2020 to record the first three songs that you would be releasing, what is that? What was that experience like? Because I know it, you hit the studio in 2019 as well. Yeah. But was this a different experience because it was going to be the first music that people heard from you? Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, it was it was it was crazy to think that, you know, something you like dream about like you as I mean, as a like small kid, I'm always like, how cool is it to have a like CD or, you know, like how did it just seems so like out of out of reach and for people across the world to be able to hear what you're doing. And I don't know, it was just this really surreal feeling to finally be in this place that I've seen in so many videos and, you know, and watch so many of my favorite artists go into these places and uh, record. And now I'm doing the same thing and I'm doing it with people that are world-class that um, have played on so many just massive records. And it was, it was a really, really cool moment. And, um, and I mean, since those like songs have come out and seeing how they've made such a global reach and the like impact that those songs have had, I mean, um, one of the songs that I recorded in the beginning of 2020 um, is now my most streamed song. And it's cool to see the people all like all across the world um, interacting with, with these songs. Yeah, that's amazing because you've done it all in a time when the world was shut down. Like all of your songs basically came out, except for, I believe, the most recent one, when right. the world was shut down, but they all blew up. And so what has that experience been like? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that the pandemic and the fact that people were were left with nothing but being able to stream on their phone or consume social media. I think those factors really did play into our favor because um, there wasn't any pressure to go out to or there wasn't people weren't distracted by anything else. Like they literally all they had to do was sit on TikTok or YouTube or Instagram or Spotify, right? Because there wasn't much else to do. And so I think it really played into our favor when it came to growing, to growing social media. Um, But yeah, I mean, now it's like we're leaving ourselves with a base that we can go out and play shows now and people will be there and know the music, which is a super, super cool place to be in. And I can't wait to to play some shows um, here towards the end of the uh, year. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I like, really do think it played in, into our favor, but going into it, we were very sort of nervous, I guess, but also it's like, listen, we can push this off forever and find a reason not to put out music for as long as we can, we can live. Right. But yeah, I mean, yeah. there's no telling what's going to happen. And so we should just take a chance and really focus on what we can focus on and, Hope it works. <laughs> and what was that like at that point when you started releasing music and realizing that after, you know, a year or so of making a living, being a writer, that now you were finally getting to a space where you could be an artist? It was it was like pretty, pretty wild. I uh, didn't really know what to expect when getting into it. I hadn't had any music out, obviously. And so I didn't know how many people were actually going to listen to it. I was starting to get some sort of social media following, but that really doesn't matter and doesn't really translate to your music. People could follow you and never listen to a single song. And so um, we didn't really know what to, ex- to expect. And I remember talking to my uh, manager and he I, I had a goal of getting 10,000 streams the first day on my very first song. And it was just like one of those things like, 
you know, it was a pretty lofty goal at the time. I was like 10,000 or 10,000 10, streams the first day. I think I can do it. I think I can do it. And so he like challenged me to do it. And, um, the first day we, we barely crested 10,000 streams. And I remember it was, and I remember he had called me and he was like, listen, I'm not going to tell you this often, but you were right. I'm like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's all I needed to hear. That was, that was it. But it's just, it's just such a cool feeling to, um, to make this a career for it to actually be like viable for it to, you know, to make, to make money as a business this early in music is, is like something crazy, you know? And with the success you've had, do you have to almost temper your expectations? Like every single that you release basically does better and better. And your newest single, I believe, got 500,000 streams in the first week. And right. so do you have to make sure you're not going into the release with those expectations and get let which, down if it doesn't happen? Which that that definitely happened. That definitely happened. So, I mean, we had we had. Um, yeah, so it was My Kind of Morning, then Wish You'd Miss Me was the second song. Wish You'd Miss Me. So My Kind of Morning did 10,000 the first day. And then a TikTok video for Wish You'd Miss Me did it did a little bit. Like it got like over a million views. And um, so that song did 100,000 streams the first day. And I was like, oh, this is this is this great. Every release <laughs> must go like this. I mean, I've only released two songs and the like exponential growth of them has been, been phenomenal. Third, third song I put out was uh, Why Should We? And it started off a little bit slow, was getting like 10,000 a day, which was still good. And, um, and then it got on a really big country playlist and, you know, and then it's, it's, it's doing well. I'm like, wow, this is really going great. Like, this is awesome. Drive, then like Drive came out and Drive did like 10,000 the first weekend. And I was like, oh no, this is, this, this is it. This is it. This is, this is where it all comes to die. No. Right. And I was, so I would, but I would, I just had this like built up, like, I was like, Oh, this is, this is great. Everything's going great, great, great. And then drive came and I believed in drive so much. And I like fought for drive so much. And um, it came out and it didn't really do well initially. And I was like, damn, I think the song like really does. It really does have potential. And I think once people hear it, they will like love it and spread it. I think it'll just take a little bit more time. And now drive you know it came out in january i think or no march and it's just now starting starting to pick up and so um it's getting it's getting like 20 something thousand a day on uh on uh spotify and it got ten thousand the first weekend so it's it's uh picking up a little bit but i definitely like those those expectations are it's tough to deal with because you you just like you believe in the music so much and we've really made a point to like in, in like our minds put out a better song each time so we right. like planned it all planned it all out like which one do we think is going to respond the best let's put that put that at the end you know and just to where it just sort of ramps up and people are constantly like wow i like this one more than the last and that was sort of all in, in our design but um but yeah when things go it's the ebb and, the ebb and flow really gets to you sometimes as much as you want to look forward and look at what's next, do you have to sometimes look back and realize how far you have come in a short time and be grateful for that? Well, so that I, I, I will be the first one to tell you that is my biggest flaw. I feel like, but, but also I guess plays in my, in, in my favor a bit. Like I'm always the type of person that's like, okay, this is, this is great, but how do we get that next thing? And that next <laughs> thing and that next thing. And I'm always trying to work towards the next thing. And that happened with like track. I would, you know, get a like personal best. And I'd be like, well, how do I get faster? I know I could get faster. And I mean, that's, 
that's the way it is here with like music. And I, it is, it's, it's tough to, for me to like soak in those moments of like really cool things. I think, um, I mean, what there was, there's, there's been like a couple moments, uh, probably like I would say count on one, one hand moments where I've really just sat there and like reflected on how far I've come. And um, one of those, I mean, one of those moments where my very first ever show in Nashville was with um, uh, Old Old Dominion here at the uh, Bluebird Cafe. And it's one right. of those things that the, uh, the Bluebird is such a legendary place, one of those bucket list places. Then Old Dominion's a band that I've you know, listened to before I knew how to play guitar. And so um, that was one of those moments I was like, wow, like this is really, really happening. And then when Why Should We got on the uh, Hot Country playlist, the biggest streaming playlist for country music and like me being one like the only independent artist amongst all these massive massive artists like it was one of those moments I'm like holy cow like I'm actually being mentioned in the same sentence as my favorite artists and I'm on the same playlist with you know 30 of my favorite artists and so when you look forward like you say you're an independent artist Right. So when you look at the success you've been able to build with that, do you ever look forward and think, oh, my gosh, when I when I sign that record deal, just think of how how much uh, more trajectory I can get behind me? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's that's been a constant conversation. And it's one of those things where it's like, when's the best time to really like shop for that? And do we want to at this moment? Like we we have a whole release schedule up until the uh, end of the year. Do we do we wait? does you know does is, is the deal going to look better for us if if we wait you know there's there's always this like question of when to really try to get a record deal because there is so much upside to it you know like like country radio is massive and i yeah to hear i have yet to hear my song on the radio station anywhere and so that that is just such a big bucket list goal for me to be able to hear my music played through the uh, the radio and so um but yeah it's 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 a it's a constant conversation and it's always evolving and um yeah so i mean i it is it is pretty wild to think that, that me and my fairly small team have been able to do so much so so quick and um i feel like the uh well like what we have coming for the rest of the year is gonna be really sick too and you played earlier this year your first full band show i believe now was that your first ever outside of just playing acoustic or with like one other person yeah 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 so i mean i played in like a church worship band and stuff but nothing of 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 my own and we did a quick little three song set um, at a whiskey jam here in Nashville. So I got a little bit of taste of what it's like to, to uh, play with a, a, a full band. And it's something that um, I want to do like a first, like real full band show um, coming up here before too long. I, I like want to try to get something going for that. And so, um, so yeah, I, I, I got a little bit of taste of it. I played like a 14 minute, 14 minute thing. Um, but I really want to get my first like true full band show um, going here before too long. Cause I, I just really, that's, that's what I came to town to do. And I'm really jumping up the bit to get that happen. So that show, was that just players that you put together for that show? Do you have a band forming of members that are going to be with you? Yeah. So, I mean, I have, it's just, I mean, the way that it is in uh, Nashville, it's like, I have tons of friends that play, but they all play for other artists too. And so um, if you have a consistent gig for them then they'll do it. Uh, And if you don't, they'll find somebody who does and they'll fill in where, where they can. And so everybody that I played with there 
um, is on, you know, tours now with the other artists that they weren't playing for at the time, you know, it's just, they're, they're, they're always trying to find work. And so, um, I do have people that I play with consistently and the band that I got for that, for that short set, um, was just like unreal. Like we could have gone into Nissan stadium and played that damn thing. Like they were <laughs> so good, so good. And so, so loud and so much, so much energy. It was like, I literally like handpicked the best people that I could yeah, ever even like imagine. And because it was, it was during a like COVID time, there wasn't much else going on. So they didn't have anything else going on. So they, everybody was just like free to do it. And so it was, that was probably the most fun I've had like playing music was like, re like rehearsing with them and just everybody being so good at what they do that it, it just, it just made it so fun. That is awesome. And I have to ask now that you've found this success, what does your mom think from way back in the day of trying to get you to sing and get you into music and now having your career in music? What does she think about that? I mean, my, my parents have been the most like supportive through all this. I can't imagine doing what I'm doing without their, their like their support. Like they wanted me to go to Nashville and to like try it out. And even if it didn't work, like just to give it and, and, uh, and like honest effort, you know, my, my, dad uh, works a job that he doesn't necessarily love and so he really wanted to push me to do something that, that I loved and I remember my first trip to Nashville like my dad took off work and came down with me and took took a couple of days off stayed here with me we got to you know tour the city for the first time and um so I mean they're 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 really really proud and they uh I've been so supportive through all this but I think my mom's just happy that I finally got back to music and she's always like she's always trying like she, she doesn't really give too many pointers all too often but whenever I send them songs early on um she'd be like you know maybe like change this to this or maybe like add a little bit of this in there and so um but I think that she's just generally happy that um I finally made my way back around that's awesome. And you talk about your release schedule for the rest of the year. What can we expect? When's the new, the next single going to be dropping? Yeah. So that's something that we're actually still trying to really hammer in and dial in. Uh, we were, we had some meetings about it yesterday, but looks like September, we got a track coming and then we got um, the sort of the like resolution uh, to this whole, you know, release of singles coming up um, at the end of October. And so uh yeah, we got a lot, a lot of cool things. I got four more tracks coming for the uh, years up. And so just really, really pumped about those. We actually just finished those up here. That's what I had to get back home, get back from home for was to, um, <laughs> to go and finish those up. Cause we were on a tight, tight, tight window there. So I was like, well, I can't stay another day back home. I got to drive back same day, but, um, but yeah, we got, we got four more tracks coming and I really do think that like some of the best music I've ever written or recorded are in these, in, in these four tracks. Thank you guys once again so much for listening and thank you to Chase for stopping by and sharing his story. Be sure to check out all of the music that he has released over the past year and keep an eye out for new music coming soon. Also, please be sure to like, share, follow, subscribe to us on whatever streaming service you are listening on. Leave us a review, a rating, tell your friends, your family, your neighbors to come on over and have a listen. The support means the world to us each and every week. Thank you once again for listening, and we'll see you next time on Country Music Made Me. Music.